filibuster receives sponsorship from the Ehrlich Law Office, discrimination, wage, and litigation solutions serving Northern Virginia and the District of Columbia. They handle employment issues including wrongful termination, wage disputes, discrimination, equal employment opportunity matters, and more. They also handle civil rights litigation, defamation, and general litigation. For a free consultation, visit EhrlichLawOffice.com slash filibuster. So uh, our, our good friend Ben Bromley is on assignment again this week. He will not be, be joining us until next week uh, as he uh, grows a beard. That seems to be what he's focusing most of his energy on. We know he just had a baby, but but we're pretty sure he's just focusing on growing his beard and putting all his mental energy toward that. Check out our Twitter account at filibusterdcu to see, uh, see what Ben has been up to on the beard front. Uh, one of our listeners saw that picture, actually. We tweeted out just before we started recording. And tweeted back with, and I'm so delighted by this ability to to tie this to Ben uh, that I am <laughs> willingly discussing a picture of a goat that was tweeted at our our, our Twitter account, uh, saying whose beard grows faster, uh, Ben's or or this goat's. And I retweeted that was Deb at uh, Crow Turtle who uh, tweeted that. And uh, yeah, I, I think that's a the fair question. I think that's a good goal for Ben is to have a goat beard at some point in the near future. He looked like someone who was like kidnapped and was an extra on Narcos somehow. Yeah, if we could get Ben to, you know, tweet another picture, but holding up today's newspaper, <laughs> alive. Today's, the front page of today's Washington Post, that would be even better. I, I personally, I want Ben to locate a goat and take the, today's newspaper <laughs> to the goat, but, and take a picture right. with the goat. All right. Um, resolved. Ben will yes. not get his chair back on <laughs> filibuster until he tweets out a picture of his beard, a goat, and that day's Washington Post. <laughs> all, all in one picture. Thus placating us. <laughs> yes. <laughs> then again, he is the guy who does all the post-production, so he right. can probably decide when he comes back, not us. Or Ben's edit this out entirely. All passengers. He might cut this out. He probably won't. But he might. <laughs> I mean, as, if we don't tell him about it, he might not listen to it. And that's true. Would never, ever learn of it. We would have to give him the timestamps. This, this is how the show works. We would have to inform Ben that this is happening before him to then cut it out. And we just won't. So we yeah. might just sneak it in. Just mine something 13 minutes in. Don't worry about the rest of it. <laughs> hey, hey, welcome in. This is Filibuster, the Black and Red United podcast. I'm Adam Taylor, joined by Jason Anderson and Ryan Kiefer. We are all from blackandredunited.com, where we write about DC United, the U.S. national teams, and lots more, the kickers, the spirit. Um, yeah, mostly mostly those, those things. Uh, we've got a good show for you tonight. It's always a good show when United opens a can on somebody, which doesn't happen all that often, but it really did on Saturday. United uh, took Chicago out behind the woodshed and did violent, terrible things to them in a soccer sense. Uh, and we're going to talk about them on this show. We're also going to talk about uh, the U.S. Men's National Team World Cup qualifiers. Reluctant as we are to do that, we will soldier ahead and talk about those games. We'll also talk about D.C. United's upcoming Thursday night local TV uh, game 
in New York City against New York City. Before we do anything, though, Ryan, welcome back to the show. What are you drinking, dude? Um, it's nice to be back. Um, so Ben just had a baby, and I'm having a baby soon. And um, we had the baby shower, I guess, about a month ago. And um, there's there's been kind of like a race against time to eat the leftovers that were at the house. So and those obviously transitioned to drinking the leftovers. So the beer has been taken care of. The wine. <laughs> regretfully has been taken care of so now i'm working on the um the liquor so what i've got that'll go bad if you don't drink it yeah um so we uh we had some punch that was made that was like lemonade and some rosemary and some vanilla and um like apparently you can splash some citron in it and we still have copious amounts of both in the fridge so uh so i'm tackling those as best i can with a full boy glass um and man, this lemonade has a lot of sugar in it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's pretty common. You don't get good sour lemonade all that often anymore. I mean, if I had another kid now, I think he would probably get my diabetes. I think the kid that's in my wife now probably is going to get the diabetes I'm getting from this lemonade for God's sake. <laughs> Jason, what are you drinking? Uh, I also have something that has a lot of sugar in it. Um I uh, couldn't really – people are going to learn as the show goes on that I did not get a lot of sleep last night for no good reason uh, or bad reason. Uh, it just happened. And so uh, I'm kind of stupid today. Um, so I was staring at various drinks and unable to confu- or to sort anything out. Um, and I ended up uh, – sort of it sort of light bulb popped over my head. It rem- I was reminded of a friend of mine talking about um, mixing his bourbon with ginger beer. I have ginger beer, and I've been making Moscow mules all summer and, and Mexican mules. Um, so now I have uh, some Evan Williams single barrel and some ginger beer. Um, ginger beer is where the sugars come from, to be clear. Yeah. So is that a it's Kentucky not bad. mule? I, I guess. I, I feel like Kentucky already has mules, um, but then again, so does Mexico. I don't know yeah. if Moscow has mules or not. Probably. I would assume they do. Uh, yeah, I, I would pretty, maybe, pretty maybe much not everyone Moscow, has to have mules, I would think. Maybe not Moscow um, itself, but nearby. the Russian countryside certainly does. Yeah. Uh, but in uh, any case, it's not bad. Um, I used to drink, when I, when I first was branching out from trash beer and trying to learn other things, as you do, uh, when you get to be drinking age and go to bars and someone there can tell you what you're doing is stupid and maybe steer you towards better things. Uh, one of my first attempts to drink something else was uh, Crown Royal and ginger ale, and and this is like that except ginger beer is uh, better, you know, gingery, more gingery, mm-hmm. which I I well, think is better. Uh, I don't know. It's the can tough. is the can is telling me that one can has forty eight grams of sugar, so it's, oh, wow. it's pretty goddamn okay. sugary. Um, yeah. Wow. So either way, yeah, it's a lot. You're going to be moving on to chocolate choo choos in a little bit. <laughs> Uh, as for me, I, I was in Minneapolis over the weekend and smuggled back some beer in my luggage. Not really smuggling. I put it in my check bag. Um, but there's a brewery up there near Minneapolis called Surly Brewing Company that is, has some fantastic products. And um, I am drinking Coffee Bender because that is what I had left at the in the fridge at the end of the weekend and said, all right, this is going in my bag, um, <laughs> having drank the other stuff. So uh, I'm very cleverly at 930 at night as we record this, drinking beer that literally has iced coffee in it. Um, 
it's a mix of iced coffee with Surly's original Bender beer, which uh, is also very good. And I learned over the weekend pairs very well with uh, Eagle Rare bourbon as a boilermaker. That was that was a tasty concoction that I cannot recreate tonight, but I'll just drink coffee bender instead and enjoy it and hopefully sleep ever. Um, can I offer a, a brief uh, boilermaker story? Yes, of course you can. Okay, tell a brief um, boilermaker story. <laughs> I was at this house party in Baltimore, and the, the place was it was like a two room like loft. There was no room in the place, and this this guy was super popular and didn't realize that everyone that invited him to it was gonna show up. And so the place was completely like shoulder to shoulder, like that you can't move anywhere without bumping into six people. Um, so I was off to one side and a guy barely bumped into me at all. and was extremely apologetic. And he had a mini keg of some kind of beer that you can get the mini keg of. And uh, my friend, this guy apologized. And he set it down near me and he was like, listen, because I bumped into you, I, I feel so bad. You can drink. Uh, some of my beer. I'm just going to set it on the floor near you and you can just drink some of my beer. And I was like, great, that's awesome. And he left. Like, I never saw that guy again. Um, <laughs> in, in a two-room house party, I still never saw him again. So within 30 seconds, a friend of mine comes over with a bottle of whiskey and he's like, can you hold this? And I was like, <laughs> yes. And so I started making myself a Boilermaker, obviously. And then... I got a little drunk and I had the idea to start giving only people, only the people I really know well, I was giving them Boilermakers without telling them that they were Boilermakers. Oh. Um, <laughs> and, and then when they got halfway through them, we were like, what's wrong with this beer? I was like, I made you a Boilermaker. And they would usually be like a mix of happiness and like anger that they had been tricked somehow. Um, <laughs> and also, I'm pretty sure we drank the entire mini keg without ever seeing that guy again. Um, he, was, he was the mini keg fairy. He, yeah, he, he really did appear, apologized profusely for something that he could not help, and then he disappeared. Um, Specifically, he's the Canadian mini keg fairy. Yes. Very apologetic, very generous, and then uh, gone. Happiness with a deception chaser. <laughs> Jason Anderson, colon, the Jason Andersons. <laughs> I wouldn't That's do that. Point. I wouldn't do that to any of our listeners. It would be Unless unfair. he knew you really well. He would do yeah, it to so Ryan the meetups in October. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's talk about soccer. Uh, yes. This is actually going to be pretty fun to talk about. DC United had their annual August outburst of goals, hanging six on a ten-man Chicago Fireside this weekend. Uh, hat trick from Patrick Mullins, who's now the the team's leading scorer on the year. A goal and three assists from Luciano Acosta. A goal and two assists from Patrick Niarco, and a nice capper from Nick DeLeon, just to you know put a nice bow on it and call it a day. Um, even though the fire were bad and are bad and were shorthanded for most of this game, there's still a lot to like in in this, uh, in what, what turned out to be the beer guy's best night at RFK in, you know, about 12 months. Uh, Jason uh, Patrick Mullins, obviously, is, is most people's story. He was MLS Player of the Week. He's a candidate for MLS Player of the Month um, for his first month in black and red, essentially. Um, he's getting a lot of the plaudits for this, and, and deservedly so. Yeah, and, and I think a lot of it comes from that, and we've talked about it already a few times, the instant understanding he's got with Lucho Acosta um, being on a team that has placed a lot of faith in him is a, a refreshing, I, I'm sure, a refreshing uh, change of pace from the Revs saying, well, you can play sometimes, and NYCFC going from 
yeah, sometimes it's fine to this year is like, who are you again? Um, which it, which it was a, a waste. Um, yeah, I saw somebody, somebody somewhere, um, said that I bet NYCFC is kicking themselves for, for trading him away. And I, my, my thought was just, I'm still not sure Patrick Vieira knows who Patrick Mullins is. <laughs> right. Um, and and those things do mean a lot. You know, we've seen MLS players so many times just get that change of scenery and they immediately mm-hmm. improve. Um, it also helps that he's found a team that knew exactly what they wanted to do with him. I mean, I'm Olsen and Casper probably saw him play 20 to 30 times at Maryland, so it's not like they didn't know what they were getting. Um, they talked about how much they wanted to get him. So um, all those things have kind of fallen into place. Um, I think he's exceeding anyone's best expectations i mean i said at the time that we acquired him that five goals was a reasonable target by the end of the season and it occurred to me as like you know if he has like a couple games where he's just a little unlucky that might be a little too much it might only be he might only get to like four um and here we are with uh what eight games left uh and he's already hit five right so um that's going really well a lot of it is is his movement off the ball is, is is pretty good um, you don't have to give him one type of service. Um, it's not just right. put it on his left foot, put it on his right foot, or give him a header. He can do all of that. Um, he, he really does provide the the sort of well-rounded presence that United has been crying out for, especially once they moved away from a two-forward system. Um, you really can't play with, you know, Saborio is not mobile enough to play that role anymore for for 90 minutes. Uh, El Haji Kamara is more of a, a poacher um, a guy who likes to run the channels, he's not really going to provide the hold-up play that you need or the, the passing game that Mullins is going to provide that, that it's kind of underrated with him, but we saw it not in this game, but in the against uh, Portland, the uh, little scoop the pass scoop. that he delivered for, for uh, Acosta. Um, so it's, it's pretty promising that United has found a player that fits so well. Um, it's pretty awesome to see Mullins embrace that and really um, – punish a team for uh, being pretty woeful defensively. I mean, as much as the red card, you know, you can make the, the point to the red card, point to the fact that Chicago did not rotate their lineup pretty much at all, um, which is not a good decision from like a science perspective. Um, yes. Your players get tired and, and turn stupid or get hurt uh, because of how tired they are. Um, Chicago didn't lose anyone to injury. They just, there was some dumb stuff happening. Um, and, uh, it's good to see that. Stupid. I mean, like you said, they turned stupid. One right. of their guys and, turned stupid and, course, and threw a ball at Patrick Nyarko's head. Right. And, and of course people are going to say like, well, it's just Chicago and they were down a man for more than half the game. All that's true. But how many teams have beaten them six, two? Um, yeah. So it's, it's, you can say, you can say you should do take care of business when you're up a man, but uh, yeah. then look at Toronto, who's been up a man twice, only to lose, like flat out lose. Right. I mean, not now granted, that, that's to come from behind, but that's um, probably not going to keep happening. Um, though, right? But I do. But in, in any case, um, you know, taking care of business in this in this case means you know winning. I mean, let's assume Chicago's good luck with their shooting uh, holds. You still end up winning the game 4-2, and, and everyone's like, well, you know, you did your job good enough. Uh, you know, that's it. And DC went and added to that quite a bit. Um, and that, a lot of that comes with, you know, Mullins being – the Chicago defense didn't really know where he was going to pop up. They didn't know 
whether he was going to play back to goal, whether he was going to try and make the run in. They seemed confused by him the whole time. Um, and, I mean, United scored six and could have had more goals. They they left mm-hmm. some goals on the table in this one. So, um, yeah. A lot and Sean of that Johnson saved with, a couple early on, too. Yeah. Um, and a lot of that has to do with, with Mullins being able to take some of the weight off of Acosta and Sarvas in, in possession. Um, you can find him, and it's not just hold-up play where he's, he receives the ball and just lays it off to somebody else. He can actually find other players in good positions. Um, and so it's not just, okay, Lucho, you've got to do most of the creating and the rest of it falls on you, Marcello, from this you know deep position. Um, now it sort of loosens up everything and uh, other players are now getting further forward because they know that if they make that run, it's going to count. Um, right. And it's sort of it's sort of a force multiplier having an extra creative presence down the middle like that, and uh, you know it's, you end it's up your with favorite word, sometimes. Jason. It's it's alchemy. Focus, um, oh. like having <laughs> having Acosta out there has obviously improved DC United, and then you know you couldn't find the right forward for him to work with until you did, and and it's it's very clearly Mullins and Acosta has been better with Mullins on the field, and I think Mullins benefits from Acosta as well. Ryan Acosta was all over the place in this game. Like I said, three assists and a goal, yet he still can't get onto the first 11 MLS team of the week. Um, I know there are people who still think he's mostly not in DC. There are people who think that he's not a top level creative midfielder in this league. Um, Are you, where, where are you falling on him as, as we're now two thirds of the way through his first season in MLS? Um, I, I think that, that maybe he's kind of either high on the second tier or low on the first. Um, I, I don't think that I, – I think he's still doing some learning. I think that there are still some things that, that he's doing that he, he he's going to learn to not do them very quickly. Um, mm-hmm. You know, when it comes to maybe like, you know, staying on sides or like knowing his teammates a little bit more, that, that, that type of stuff. Um, I, the, the scary thing is, I mean, you know, in, in a good way is, is that I, he's, he's got more to learn about this league. That's, that's, it's, it's a great proposition to have and, and to kind of piggyback on, on something that, that Jason said about Mullins. There was a, a goal that I remember, well, two things that, that Jason said. Um, there was a goal in the Red Bulls game, uh, and, and it was where Sam drew the, um, the PK and, and that came directly off of a Mullins chess pass. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that those type of things, you know, he's, he, you know, they, they're, they're picking up rapport quickly. And the, the good thing is not knowing what New Yorko's contract status is, is that I, I think in between that and presumably they're going to go ahead and, and buy Lucho at, at the end of the year, you know, at least three of those four guys come back. You know, so they are, they're only going to continue to get better amongst each other, number one. And uh, number two, they kind of quickly learn to, to kill a game, you know, and, and, you know, it, all the stipulations about Chicago intact. I mean, they, there was a stretch at one point. I, I put it in, in my, um, GIF slash GIF post the other day. Um, I, there was maybe about a three or four minute stretch of gameplay where I think you could count on one hand the number of times that the fire got the ball and DC got it right back. I mean, you, mm-hmm. you, you do those moments when you, when you kill games like that. So, um, and that, that whole sequence ended with a goal. 
Yeah. Even so, better. I mean, they're, they're, they're learning all this stuff pretty quickly. Um, so I, I think that they're, he, Lucha's working his, his way up there. And, and I don't think that, I mean, it, it's sort of like when Mara Diaz came into the league, everybody kind of saw the glimmers and all that. And That's then, exactly who I was thinking of too. It, you know, he, he just kind of continued that upward trajectory. So, you know, the, it's it's almost like that where where we're kind of the you know the the first year of that you know the the Moro Diaz experience if you will so you know there there's more to do and there's you know lo- looking at the off season and if they are going to go ahead and, and continue some sort of slow uptick in in acquiring better cheaper younger more complementary pieces towards Lucho this this only gets better. So and and he's only going to get better as a result because he's getting more used to the league. So if I'm putting him on a on a scale right now, I'd say he's probably I don't know three and a half or four out of five stars. Um, you know, and, and that there's only more time to to go with that. I, I'd say by this time next year, you're you're looking at him in maybe like a, a top six or a top eight discussion. You know, at, at worst. Yeah, yeah, I think, I that's, think that's, that's that's fair. I mean, I think, I think it's fair to say he's not in the upper upper echelon right now, but the idea that he won't get there based on his growth curve in the league over over several months, less than a year, I think it's it's tough to make the argument that he doesn't have the ability. And we've only seen what like two months, two months, months of, him of him actually him. as a midfielder. Yeah, right in, in the form. Yeah, in a formation that actually suits him best, um, which is part of, you know, I've, I've seen the sporadic argument that um, as flashy as he is, there's not as much, um, you know, tangible production. You don't have the goals and assists a, a, as high as you want. My first argument against that was always, look, you you can't get assists if, if people don't finish. And we all know that United has been bad at finishing right. for most of the year. Um, but the other thing is, like, He's in the right formation now, and that changes everything for him. He's not a guy that needs to stay up high, up up under the forward. Um, he's not Ignacio Piatti out on the left. Um, he benefits from sitting a little deeper at first. Um, I think he actually likes that extra little bit of running he has to do to get into those positions. Um, I've, I, it's rare to see a playmaker in MLS who seems to enjoy sprinting 10, 15 yards to... Um, not beat someone on the dribble in a showy way. But yeah, like he'll he'll chase a guy down to get physical, and he's mm-hmm. usually the smallest player in the game. Um, but he he seems to like come to life a little bit in those moments where he's got to make that extra ten yard sprint, and he makes it work. Um, yeah. and defenses look at you know because his speed he 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 doesn't have elite speed by any means, but he gets up to top speed pretty quickly, and that catches people off guard. Uh, a lot, especially central midfielders who aren't used to having to turn and sprint so often. Um, and that's, you know, an extra, it's, it's like an extra benefit. You have all this skill and creativity and all that stuff, but you've also got this willingness to work hard on both sides of the ball. Um, yeah, if anyone to be, was to be born an option for going the, forward. If anyone was born for this kind of postmodern, uh, counter-pressing era that we right. apparently are in now. Uh, it's it, it's Lucho Acosta. When he loses yeah, the I, ball, and I've, I, I've seen so many people say this, They've when he loses the ball, he is so quick to just get in your face yeah. and try to win it back. I, I, and I he's mean, smart on f- his pressing without the ball, too. 
there there have been a, a few games where he's had more tackles than any or successful tackles mm-hmm. than anyone on the team. Um, and I mean, there aren't, I can't think of other number tens in MLS that can say that even like once, maybe once this year, they've had like a fluke where they've ended up like that. Like Benny Failhaber might've stumbled into having four tackles on a night where a bunch of people had three for Kansas city or something along those lines. Um, and if you're going to be a number 10, if you're going to fight your way into, uh, a DC United lineup as a number 10, we've seen it with other guys where, they got pushed up front like Di Rosario or Bronco Boscovich was in and out of the lineup. Um, if you don't, if you bring that extra effort on the other side of the ball, you get to stay in the lineup. Um, and you get to br- keep bringing that same flashiness all the time. And, and everyone is better off for it because now the team is better going forward, which means you're more likely to win games, but you're also better defensively. So you're more likely to win games. So, um, I guess the the short version of what I'm saying is is please pay the uh, the fee as required and and just make this thing permanent. Yeah, I think I think we are unanimous in that. Not just on this podcast, but at Black and Red United, and I think it would be a pretty clear majority of of DC United fans who really want to see that happen because it's he he's real good. Three assists in a game and a I goal mean, to go on if, top of it. If the figure the the figure that was in the Argentine press, the last thing I saw was 1.3 million was the contractual buy price yeah it sounds like a lot of money but on the other hand you're not going to find a player that's this good at this age for less than that um and if you look around mls you know everyone else is going to leave you behind if you if you can't add a player at that point um that's transparently doing so much for your team then um do you have a hard time winning year over year uh go ahead well, no, I was going to say Adam also kind of made the point that that organizationally they're, you know, they're, they're putting all their ducks in a row for it. You know, they mm-hmm. they they've said that they want to get him the you know more of the ball, and he's getting right. more of the ball. Um, you know, they 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 traded away their only designated player, so then that way they can give him the keys to the shop. You know, mm-hmm. they, it, you know stuff like that. So you know, if if I, I don't see how they they wouldn't, and I don't see how you know if, if you're going to pay like a dollar 25 you know to the dollar or whatever that that you don't make that deal mm. so and if you don't then you better damn sure have a good backup in place or else yeah. you, you just shot yourself in the foot in a couple different ways yeah mm. there's not a lot of excuses i can think think of that i would be willing to accept as reasonable and not a reason to just hang the front office um to use Probably not the most sensitive of words. Uh, hang in effigy. It's, it, it, it would be hanging in effigy. Just, you know, fire. Let's just use the actual term. Get rid of the front office if they don't make... I mean, assuming he is still alive and healthy and willing to play soccer in what? the District of and, Columbia and assuming, next year, you have, to, you have to do that. You have to right, make this well, signing. You know, and it could also be a situation where the front office says, let's make this signing and the people that sign the checks for those people say no. Um, in which case, you, you can't fire the front office at that right. point because it's you not can't their fire fault. Your owners. But it, it seems right. like that with the the amount of TAM that it seems the team has been collecting and knowing that another dose of TAM could be coming next year, yes. it seems like they are minimizing the actual out-of-pocket cost right? so yeah. that they can make this signing and have it none of it go onto the owner's um, accounts have it all be league money 
Right, which I, which I, is, it's fine. Like I, I want to yeah, win yeah. soccer. No, that's fine. That's I where we see. are. Yeah. Yeah. The, the the only way this this really doesn't get done is is that someone, be it in in Lucho's camp or in Boca, just asks for a, a hugely exorbitant amount. Right. And right. We're, and we're all ta- we're talking knowing about a figure that until, is. Go ahead, Em. Knowing that they have until the end of the year to buy him at a predetermined price yeah, without right. negotiation from Boca, that that's the ceiling. And, right. And if it's two million dollars, if it's one point three million dollars. That's you know there's some there's some wiggle room in there between the the numbers I've heard thrown around. Um, if it's a lower number, you you don't blink. You you say here you go, here's a check signed by Don Garber. Have fun with it. Uh, and if it's the higher number, maybe you try to bring it down closer to the lower number and then give them the check from Don Garber. But it, it, you know when this is done, Acosta has to be back next year. Yeah. In in if. <laughs> if there's someone in his camp that doesn't want that. And it seems he's pretty happy here. Like watching him play, he's playing with, I hate this English expression. He's playing with joy. He's expressing himself out there, but he clearly is. He ran over and hugged a member of the coaching staff after scoring mm-hmm. this weekend. His, he moved his family up here and he seems really happy with his kid being in the United States and getting a paycheck every week and not worrying about it. Um, he seems happy here and hopefully that, that stays that way both on and off the field. I mean, yeah, Going back to this game, uh, let's talk about Steve Birnbaum a little bit. DC United has been looking for him on every single set piece for the last several weeks, and that's the right decision right now. It's hilarious. There was one game where the other team adjusted to it. One game, and that was against Montreal, which was not a win. It was a draw. And they were double-marking him on every corner kick. (laughs) And And United were still going for him, and he still won a couple of them. At this point, (laughs) he's in absolute aerial beast mode. It's insane. Um, Ryan, I know you've been harping a lot on other teams not adjusting to him, and Chicago didn't adjust to him. And I wonder whether Patrick Vieira and NYC will adjust to him this week, and I guess that remains to be seen. But just... Feel free to wax poetical for a minute on on Steve Birnbaum and his aerial presence. Um, I mean, he the the great thing is, and it's it kind of goes back to what we were talking about with with Lucho and and you know Mullins and and complimentary pieces. Um, you know, a, a lot of it is is kind of been having Lloyd Sam take a, a good number of these corners. Um, you know, granted, you know some of these things have have had Taylor Kemp you know serving those corners up great. Um, but you know, Sam, Sam's a smart enough guy and, and has been in, in, you know, in this league and others that, you know, he can go ahead and find people. And, and when you're doing that with a guy who, you know, tore up the NCAAs, you know, when it, when it came to aerials and goals, I think, what is it? He scored, he was like second was best on his team. 12, in goals. Yeah. Yeah. It was like 12 goals. Yeah. As, so, as a center back, you know, and, and he's, he's, you know, he j- just like his his kind of career path this year. I mean, he he started doing it, you know, in, in a wider audience audience in in January camp, and has continued to do it, especially even more so in the last month or so. So, you know, Sam is a good part of that. Kemp is is presumably taking lessons from Sam in that regard. <laughs> um, you know, and and the other thing too is you you have Mullins in there who's who's getting better with his aerials too. So, you know. That's that's another section of it that that continues to to trend up. So you know he's he's gonna he's gonna still get his. Other people are gonna get theirs. Rising tide lifts all boats. 
Yeah, I mentioned NYC having to adjust on Thursday, and it turns out they won't because we won't have Steve Birnbaum in the lineup on Thursday. He's he's with the U.S. national team right now, which we'll talk about in just a minute. Um, But, Jason, where will United go with their set pieces without Birnbaum on Thursday? That's something I think bears discussing considering the that united's been really dangerous on set pieces and it's right it's been the source of more than a few goals uh well one thing i i would add with burnbaum is that they've been better at getting him uh single marked um mm-hmm. the the movements have they, they've changed the set piece movements they're doing to get him he's not crashing the box anymore so much as going back post or going uh top of the box things like that where um, he's not running into a crowd, so it's easier for him to go one-on-one, and he's going to beat just about anyone that goes one-on-one against him. Um, he's going to win that battle every time. Um, so United can use some of that um, to get Bobby Boswell uh, one-on-one. NYCFC does not have the best uh, set-piece defense. They don't have the best one-on-one marking for, for it. Um, so Boswell and Mullins will obviously be moved around that, you know, they might have to split some of Birnbaum's assignments in some of those um, rehearsed movements. Um, and then you, you need somebody else to step up, whether it's, uh, you know, Kofi Opari will be back. If, if he gets the nod over Jalen Robinson, then certainly he'll be a factor. We've seen him win a bunch of headers on set as well. Um, not to the Birnbaum extent, but certainly uh, he's more than capable of shouldering some of that. Um, a guy, a guy like, uh, Marcelo even can, uh, if he's sent into the box, has a knack for getting to the ball, he might not win it as cleanly, but if you cause chaos in the area, you still end up with scoring chances from time to time. And I think that's some of what United is going for lately is not, not necessarily saying Burnham has to score the, the header from the set piece. It's more like, let's get people moving around so that Birnbaum is winning, winning the first header and winning it in a way where he's actually in control over what happens to the ball. Even if he's just knocking it down, he's knocking it down where he wants it to go. Um, or mm-hmm. uh, he's getting free for the volley when the, the Boswell flick, even though, you know, at least Portland said they knew exactly what that set piece was and it, their team just failed to defend it. Um, we might not want to run that one if it's so well known that teams are out and out saying like, Oh, we saw that one coming and we just botched it. Um, although if it, if it works, even when the other team knows it's coming, <laughs> that seems like something to try again. Maybe, um, especially against a team that's not good at defending set pieces. It, but the, the main thing I think is, um, continuing that emphasis on not necessarily saying it has to be the first header is a goal. Um, just trying to get the, win the first header and make sure that it is something that United is in control over rather than, um, you know, battling to a draw in the air and the ball sort of pops up and everyone resets. And usually those don't end very well. If that first header is knocked down with some intent uh, towards other players, you tend to have a higher degree of success. I mean, it's still, it, we're not talking about like 50, 50, uh, you know, shot on goal or anything, but if you're getting up above, I mean, if you look at corner kicks over the course of a year, you don't, no team scores that many. Um, even right. New York with their 17 set piece goals, the percentage of corner kick goals they convert is very low. Um, so if you produce, if, if you can up your percentage by even like 10% more likely to score, you end up in a, a pretty good spot. And uh, I think a lot of that comes from United 
maybe making things a little more complicated, uh, making their movements a little harder uh, to deal with, a little more uh, intricate. Uh, sometimes being too intricate on set pieces can be bad. You've got too many players trying to remember to do too many things. Um, but right now, we've gone from obvious target charges towards the goal and hopes to win the header <laughs> to, you know, obvious target is knocking the ball back across and something else is happening in there. Maybe only two players have to be in on it and everyone else just tries to clear out of the way. Um, but that's that you want that mix of simplicity and a little bit of extra where two or three players are in on it and the delivery is good as, as Ryan touched on with, with Sam um, and all of a sudden you're in business. Um, it doesn't take a lot. It just takes a little bit more than what United had been doing. Um, the ingredients were always there. And now we're right. starting to see uh, an execution behind it that, that has it, it's promising for this weekend and it's promising going forward because you're not gonna we're not gonna play a ten man tired last place team uh, every week. We're not going to have it so easy. Um and those set piece goals might turn games. They might turn some important games. Uh, I mean, we still haven't played Orlando yet, and Orlando is behind us via tiebreaker right now. Um, no, they're they're one point. Behind they're one. Us. Yeah, they're one point back. Okay. Um, so those you know set piece goals could be what ultimately is the is the the la- the most important goal of the season uh, to get us into the playoffs. Um, so adding something like that really changes things quite a bit for United because now they're not just, it's nice to be able to score the goals from open play. Um, that's fun. But uh, any team that's going to go anywhere in in MLS is going to be at least decent on set pieces. And for most of the year, United was pretty bad down near the bottom. Um, yeah. Not and just his, on, on, bo- on both ends, yeah. on and, attacking and, now, and defending. And now they're starting to move up at least towards the middle. And if you're in the middle, you've got, you know, you've got something going on. And if you can, gain a little more ground i mean we're not going to catch the red bulls unless we see like two set piece goals a game for the rest of the season um so don't hang your hat on that on anyone um but you know <laughs> add three or four more before the end of the year and and you're looking at most likely you're looking at a playoff team in all honesty because united doesn't give up that many goals where uh you're not going to you're going to end up winning enough games if if you're getting just that little bit of a increase in set piece production it changes things a lot especially if we're talking about zero zero and converting set pieces at that point which united has been really good at when you know early in games when the score zero zero they've been putting their best stuff out there more more or less and the set pieces they've they've run out in those situations have been really difficult for other teams and you know as long as they keep that level of consistency with it if they get predictable again you know you've got to find more goals from from regular uh, regular old soccer rather than the set pieces, and that's you know, it's not it's not impossible by any means, but it does add a little element of difficulty that wasn't there before. I was going to want to talk about the midfield battle for the third spot in midfield between Acosta and Marcelo, but uh, we'll save that for next week in the interest of time because we're already running pretty late and we still haven't talked about the the u.s national team which reluctantly we are going to do right now um the u.s men's national team has their final two world cup qualifiers of this round before the hexagonal starts uh coming up they go to saint vincent in the grenadines uh friday afternoon i think it's a 3 p.m kickoff so take off early go to the bar maybe if you're you're into that sort of thing um 
And then on Tuesday night uh, against first place, Trinidad and Tobago, because that's right, the U.S. not in first place. Uh, the Americans' passage to the hex is not guaranteed at this point. It looks, you know, they're they're in control of their own destiny for sure, but they are are not actually uh, locked in just yet. Unlike Mexico, who's won all four of their games and has guaranteed their passage. Uh, Steve Burbaum called up and actually could start uh, on on Friday night with uh, John Brooks out with, I think, a back injury. Mm-hmm. He's on the shelf. Uh, so we could see uh, a rep- reprise of the Burnbaum cameron partnership. We saw that kind of helped right the ship on qualifying in this round. Uh, Jason, what do you want to see out of the center backs uh, down there? Do you want to see Burnbaum start either as a DC United fan or a U.S. national team fan? Uh I, I would say I, th- I think so. Yeah, let me pull up the roster to make sure I'm not missing uh, anyone off the top of my head. But um, Birnbaum has delivered in most of his outings. You know, he came in as a sub against the Argentina and the Copa America in a game that was already a lost cause um, and made a mistake uh, that led to a goal. But in CONCACAF, he's come through um, against Guatemala at home in a game the U.S. had to have. He was given the start. Um, it was a rare instance of Klinsman showing some faith in someone based on their MLS performances and not like, you know, Burnbaum's not at the age where, where he's getting those minutes because of his future potential. He's getting the minutes because he's good enough right now, and that's it. Um, and he delivered. Um, and he de- he's delivered pretty uh, – other than playing against Argentina, he's delivered against everyone else. Um, so yeah, if John Brooks is unavailable, then I don't see how you can't start him, but this is Klinsman. So, you know, I don't see how you can't yeah. is like the, the, the main way of doing things. Um, those are actually the Klin- house Klinsman words. No, uh, that's, that's part of, I the, don't see how you can't the coat of arms. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever we, we should have had Leanne on to tell us the German for, I don't see how you can't, um, <laughs> But uh, we'll we'll look her up in Slack right now and see if we have an answer before the end of the segment. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's uh, it seems to be a uh, a straightforward thing. He he's met every hurdle that Klinsman has set out for him, um, other than possibly uh, accepting a transfer to a European team, which I'm sure he he I'm sure he hasn't been told to do that directly, but I'm sure he's been given hints. Not um, for lack of trying. <laughs> But, uh, you know, I, I don't think there's any reason not to start him. Um, and, and honestly, the, these two games should be they're, – they're not beyond his capabilities at all. Um, St. Vincent and the Grenadines, their best player arguably is a bench warmer for Seattle, um, mm-hmm. often seen at playing for the Sounders B team in USL. Um, Trinidad and Tobago obviously is a decent team. They're having a good moment right now. Um but that's still a team whose best players are MLS role players, um, guys that get aren't crucial to their teams. Except for I, I will say, uh, Kenwin Jones is technically an MLS player. He just Atlanta United doesn't exist as an on-field soccer team yet, so um, he is an Atlanta United player playing in Trinidad right now because he has to play somewhere for this fall. Um, but outside of that. Um, they're a team that the U.S. should handle. But we've said this about Guatemala earlier in this round, and that didn't happen. Um, and now we're looking at a, you know, it's a 
a game that they cannot lose on the road in CONCACAF, which we all know CONCACAF on the road never goes as smoothly as you want it to go. Um, Mm -hmm. Even against small island nations, it can be tough. Um, People might recall uh, Antigua and Barbuda being knocked off on an Eddie Johnson stoppage time goal in Antigua and Barbuda. Um, And that was during the last World Cup qualifying cycle. It wasn't that long ago. Who was coached um, during that time, Jason? Who coached that? Uh, I, I think that was um, uh, Alkis Penaglia. Wait, wasn't that that little known? Wasn't that that little known German coach who was only around for a hundred years? <laughs> Joe Kleinisman. <laughs> but it, so, know, oh, go ahead. Clint Clint Dempsey is going to be out for this one or for both of these. Uh, he's got some kind of. He's got. Uh, an arrhythmic heart yes. or an irregular heartbeat that, right now. That and still requires we, some sort of further research. Yeah. And you know, uh, whether you're a fan of Dempsey's or not, you know, you hope he, he's okay and can, can go on with his life. Uh, and DC United fans as much as anyone should be sensitive to, to heart issues from, uh, soccer players. Jermaine Jones also iffy coming back from, I think a knee sprain, uh, called into this camp and working out on the side. You just know Klinsman's going to find a way to put him into a game. Keep in mind, Jones hasn't uh, played for the Rapids since he came back from the Copa, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. He's been dealing with a quad strain the whole time, and now will he's like uh, the men's national team's uh, answer to Carly Lloyd. <laughs> he only <laughs> plays for the national team, no one else. Right. Um, Michael Bradley is out on suspension for St. Vincent and the Grenadines. Um, if only you had a young, dynamic, uh, deep-lying midfielder possibly playing in the Scottish League right now on this roster, you could weather Sc- his Scotland absence a little a better. League? They do, in fact, with more than two teams, I mean, as I to, learned when Perry Kitchen transferred there. <laughs> to, to, to be fair, in, in moderate defense of, of that move, you know, Perry's coming back from a hamstring injury, so I, I, can, I, can, I can get that logic. Mm. You know, and, he can work out on the side. I understand, you know, I, I, it, it's my little island that I've carved out <laughs> for myself with my, with my broken cell phone and my volleyball or whatever it is. <laughs> you have you, made fire. You, you can't <laughs> have, you can't have an entire squad of players in the Jermaine Jones uh, circle of trust <laughs> who just get trained on the side and then get to play. Um, I mean, if you're Jurgen Klinsmann, you can't not do that. I mean, if Klinsmann could clone how can players, you not? What, what did we decide the words were? How can you not? Right. How, how I don't see not? how you can't. Yeah, I don't see. We've already <laughs> forgotten. It was like two minutes ago. Um, no, if if Klinsmann could clone, if U.S. soccer could afford cloning technology, Klinsmann would absolutely field uh, eleven Jermaine Joneses. Um, but cloning is beyond us at this point, or at least beyond U.S. soccer at this point. Um, so he's going to have to make do with one or one or zero Jermaine Joneses. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, Kit, Kit, it, it's, it sucks that it's, you know, if the injury is what kept him out, um, that really sucks because this is a great moment to give him that look. And, and Klinsman seemed happy with Kitchen before he transferred to Europe, and then he transferred to Europe. Um, but then we've seen Klinsman sort of confuse us with uh, – Players going to Europe and doing exactly what Klinsman says they're supposed to do, and then he just ignores them. Uh, Sasha Kleschen was playing in the Champions League at Anderlecht under intense pressure to win every game in Belgium and was ignored. Um, and now he gets called in uh, yeah. uh, to replace John Brooks. So I, 
don't try and understand Klinsman, uh, and you can probably hear in the tone of my voice that I've already made that mistake by trying to understand again for like the umpteenth time, and then running into the wall again and being like, why is this wall here? Um, All right, there's there's one Red Bulls jersey I really want to see out there, and it's Sasha Kleshin's number 16, but over the top, instead of Kleshin, it's, are you even watching? Which is something Kleshin <laughs> tweeted out when he was at Anderlecht, and Klinsman didn't call him in for like the first three or four camps right. that he had. Like the first nine months, Kleshin couldn't get a phone call, uh, couldn't get a return phone call from Jurgen Klinsman, and so he just finally tweeted out, are you even watching? Because he was, he was one of Anderlecht's best players that year, and just couldn't get a look, and then finally did, and had a nice run, and then got hurt, dropped form, came to MLS, and was never heard from again until now, when he's, you know, having one of the, the best assisting seasons of any American midfielder right. ever in MLS. So go figure. Uh, the U S uh, as I said, is control is in control of their own destiny. They can clinch Friday in St. Vincent, St. Vincent and the Grenadines. They can clinch passage to the hex with a win. And uh, if other results go the right way, I think Guatemala losing to Trinidad and Tobago would secure that. Um, otherwise they, they have to, take care of business against Trinidad and Tobago on Tuesday. So stay tuned, watch these games and we'll probably reluctantly talk about them again next week or, and, or the week after that. So we'll be bemoaning Steve Birnbaum sweeper keeper. <laughs> if, if Tim Howard uh, and Brad Guzan both, and I, and I guess Horvath is the third keeper because it's not Bill Hamid. Uh, if, if Steve Birnbaum has to step into net, I will be, that would be pretty fun to watch. I'm not rooting for that to happen by any means, but it could be I, fun. I would, I, I would consider barring uh, both both the blog and podcast from talking about the national team or the men's national team ever again, um, <laughs> out of, out of anger. Um, because if we can't if we can't get the appropriate goalkeeper called in, it shouldn't also be one of our field players <laughs> playing that position instead. Um, or, or it would be a terrible decision because you, if your keeper's gone, you need defenders in front of him who know what they're doing. So you want to pull a midfielder right. or a forward in, like Mike McGee, uh, moving back to goal for the Galaxy very famously. At least you own, don't want to put your defender back there. At least own that you're going to troll us. Like, <laughs> like I mean, Jason, <laughs> we're we're like four moves away from that anyway. I know. So. Think about it. Just like show up for the game wearing the like troll face. Just like print one of those out and cut eye holes in it and coach the game wearing it. Um, so at least we at least we know you're one hundred percent in on the joke and you're not just doing this because you're weird. Doing wearing because a Roscoe jersey. You're doing this to us. Like make it clear that you're doing it to us, and then at least we have a a, a clarity that's not there right now uh, as observers of the national team. And this isn't just us, like. Every probably every podcast on SB Nation has some segment about the national team in which the people talking about it are confused by Jurgen Klinsmann. And it's not because they say, that, oh, I disagree with what he's doing. It's like what he's doing cannot be explained like this is inexplicable. And on that note, we're going to end this incredibly long first segment. Um, we'll be back to have a much shorter segment previewing DC United's trip to uh, the Big Apple this week. So stick around. This is Filibuster, the Black and Red United podcast. Hey, Ben, um, you wouldn't say this is a hostile work environment, would you? 
You can tell uh, me. Depends. I mean, well, I should ask you. I mean, is are goats hostile? Uh, I think goats are are hostile. I think that they are secretly trying to take over the world. But but if this were a hostile work environment, or if I were trying to steal your wages, or or do something else oh, nefarious in a, I'm really not. Uh, but in a workplace environment, you know who to call, right? Because you live in the District of Columbia or Northern Virginia. I, I do. It's the Ehrlich Law Office. It is the Ehrlich Law Office. Uh, they they offer discrimination, wage, and litigation solutions in Northern Virginia and the District of Columbia, which means I can totally create a hostile work environment for Jason. Except, no, he, they, they wouldn't want me to say that. That would be bad. I do not want to create a hostile work environment for anyone. But Jason couldn't call them nonetheless because he lives in Maryland. Sorry, Jason. I'll fight my way through this. All right. <laughs> Uh, they handle workplace discrimination, wage theft, uh, non-compete clauses, and uh, non-solicitation litigation. They handle civil rights and government takings and disability and education law. They handle a lot of things. And if you are interested in a free consultation, head to ehrlichlawoffice.com slash filibuster. Welcome back. It's Filibuster, the Black and Red United podcast. And uh, it's time now to preview DC United's upcoming Thursday night game against the second place team in the Eastern Conference, New York City FC. That'll happen at Yankee Stadium Thursday night, 7 p.m. on News Channel 8 or the your local Sinclair station if you are in the broader DMV region. Uh, like I said, NYCFC in second place in the East right now. They haven't been quite as hot as they were maybe earlier in the year, or I think more accurately, the rest of the East is a little bit better now than they were early in the year. Um, but more interestingly, in a weird esoteric way to me about NYC is that they've reversed their bizarro pattern uh, from early in the year in recent weeks. Earlier this year, they were the best road team in the history of Major League Soccer. They they had a ridiculously good road record and an equally bad home record. They could not win a game at Yankee Stadium. And lately, that's flipped, which might be unfortunate for DC United going into Yankee Stadium this week. But Jason, what what's changed about NYCFC, or has it just been an improbable streak coming to a probable end? Uh... I, I, I think maybe a little bit of it is teams know what they're getting a little more. I think there was a stretch of time where NYCFC was coming to uh, visiting. They were coming in as a visitor and the home teams were expecting a normal MLS style road performance where there's a little bit less of a attacking mindset. And NYCFC, for right or wrong, was just trying to go out and play. And the other side of that is that they've got a team built for playing on larger playing surfaces and when they play at home, they're playing on like a in like a, a guest bathroom sized uh, field, and it doesn't behoove guys like Pirlo uh, to play on that surface. It makes it easier to muddy the game a little bit, and it also it underlines the defending for them, which is never that great. It it provokes more scoring chances, which isn't great for them because they have Josh Saunders in goal. Um, when they go on the road, it actually fits them a lot better. Um, if they could play on a regular sized field or even a large field like uh, the Galaxy have uh, at StubHub Center, I think they would be really, really good at home. Um, but instead, they're playing on a um, old school San Jose Earthquakes field and thus uh, are 
kind of reduced to, you know, going into the Thunderdome with uh, a bunch of artisans that aren't really set up for that. Um, and so they, that's been a big problem for them. It's taken them this long to figure out, I wouldn't say how to, to get it right, because they haven't been great at home uh, lately. They've just improved a little. Right. Where they beat the Galaxy um, one nothing, but the Galaxy haven't been great lately. Um and they did beat the Rapids 5-1, but that was one of those, like, that game felt so much like one of those random MLS games where uh, the score just doesn't make any sense at all. And you're like, how did this happen? I mean, it's it's like literally 20% of the goals the Rapids have given up in this season all happened in one game. It, it the, the math points to it being a fluke rather than um, NYCFC figuring it out at home and becoming a juggernaut. Holy cow. The reason they haven't lost at home is because they... they... Also, I think they haven't played at home um, like at all in the last two months. They had right. one home game in August, a one nothing win over the Galaxy, two home games in July, a five one win over Colorado, and a two nothing win over the Red Bulls, and that's it since mid June. Yeah, and Lots of, in in DC I, United is the first of three home games they have during September, and then I, I they'll come to RFK sort of... in October. This is some sort of consequence of baseball. Yeah, and I think that's um, why they're playing on Thursday as well, as right. opposed to playing on the weekend. If they're going to play during international break, you should at least play on the weekend, but Yankee Stadium is a, a weird situation. Right. So uh, NYCFC will also, like DC United, they'll be missing one of their starters to international call-up. It was going to be two, and I was going to talk about how great it is that NYCFC has a player on Luxembourg's national team, but instead I will just talk about talking about it instead of actually talking about it, because it turns out he is, uh, Cheneau is is going to play in this game and not reporting to Luxembourg right. until afterward, but they will be missing, uh, who is it, Moderita mm-hmm. is yes. going to be playing for Haiti, and he's a... Costa Rica. Costa Rica, Costa Rica in Haiti, excuse yes. me. And he uh, he's a tricky winger for them. He's he's a piece that, that they're well, going to be missing. Yeah, he's been... It's funny because uh, the knock on him as a defender uh, has been, well, he's so good going forward, but he can't really defend. Um, we saw him play with Alajolense as a midfielder, um, to give you an idea. Uh, but uh, for NYCFC, the fact that he can't really defend is just sort of an ex- – They, I don't think that bothers Patrick Fiero that much. Um, I think he wants his team to be better at going forward, and if they uh, can defend a little, that's, that's a bonus almost. Um, they don't really have a natural replacement for him. Uh, they have – Diego Martinez, who's supposed to be the backup left back, but he turned out to be pretty terrible. So uh, they're probably going to just use R.J. Allen, uh, who is a right back, um, and they'll just play him on the left and hope that it works. He will come forward quite a bit. Um, he, he might not match Moderita's energy level, but he's going to come close to it. The difference is that because he's only one, he's got one good foot and it's his right foot, it makes it a lot harder for him to be effective uh, as a left back than as a right back. And I think uh, his playing time as a left back this season has mostly been the result of Martinez not working out. I think uh, they signed Shannon Gomez, who's a Trinidadian, who then got hurt almost immediately and just hasn't played at all for them. Um, So Matarita has had to play almost all of those minutes, even when they've been on short rest, because they just don't have 
uh, other left backs available. It's just they're not they weren't built for Martinez to flop as much as he has. Um, so that's their solution. Really, is going to be send R.J. Allen in and uh, play without really. They'll, they'll have a right-footed left back uh, who is uncomfortable having to deal with that situation. And their right back, Jason Hernandez, is a natural center back who uh, the guys at Hudson River Blue actually in the over the weekend, uh, Hernandez made an overlapping run and they tweeted out uh, just to tell people that that had happened. That that event by <laughs> itself was special enough and unique enough that it merited mentioning. And they were not they were correct in that. It is an unusual sight to see. Um, so that might help United in the fact that they don't have to deal with that one extra runner coming forward and providing the width that uh, Matarita provides, because if you take that off the table, it makes them more predictable. And a team with David Villa and uh, Andrea Pirlo and, and Frank Lampard, as much as we've made fun of him, uh, and, and not just we, I mean, like MLS fans across the country uh, have made fun of him. He has like nine goals since he came back, because apparently uh, no one in the league knows how to track uh, off the ball runs from midfield. Um, it's but true, if you take... and Marcelo is among those who doesn't know how to track those runs, and so I'm a little worried about that. Right, but I'm taking away lie. that that extra runner from um, from the left wing, it does simplify defending against NYCFC. It does make it uh, less challenging because Matarita. There are times where he looks honestly like more of a wide midfielder, and they've just not even fielded a left back um, with the way they'll play sometimes. So not having to deal with just that kitchen sink approach to throwing people forward, uh, it certainly will simplify the game for United. And I think whenever you're on the road, you want to simplify the game. So it, it's a, definitely a good development. Um, and it's something United needs to take advantage of by making RJ Allen have more of the ball and also do more of the defending because I, I don't think he's going to be up to it if, if he's put under enough pressure. So there's probably no team in MLS more dogmatically committed to trying to build out of the back and not just clear the ball forward than NYCFC. They've, they've gotten a little more pragmatism to them uh, in since about the midway point of the year. They, they learned that they're not in fact Barcelona um, and they, they do have to sometimes just boot the ball upfield, but they still want to build out of the back first, second and third. Um, given this, this new formation United has, and especially uh the selective pressing that they've been working on and, and I think using to good effect over the last several weeks. How does, how do you think United, or is that something United can take advantage of, especially with uh, one of their attacking fullbacks uh, being out? Uh, I would say, yeah. Um, I, I would say that the key is that first layer of pressure has to be with conviction uh, you can't just send Mullins or Sam or Niarco by themselves up to to press without proper support. Um, because if you bypass that first layer, the player they're looking for is going to be Pirlo. And if it's not Pirlo, it'll be um, Iriola who will immediately find Pirlo. Um, and once you start having players cut out of the game with that first layer of pressure, all of a sudden Pirlo's got space and he looks upfield and he can pick people out. Um, if Pirlo is getting the option of looking upfield uh, with the ball at his feet, that is bad. Uh, I don't think that's too surprising. Uh, a bit of, that's not a surprising bit of analysis. Um, but 
that comes from pressure falling apart before that. Um, if you press the pass into Pirlo, isn't going even even if it gets past your pressure, it's not going to be as good. And all of a sudden, he's got to backtrack. He's got to turn away from goal and find somebody else and wait, basically reset and wait again. Um, and the more of that we see, the better because if you let him pick out runners, you've got a real problem in your hands because they've got David Villa, who is probably the best off the ball forward in the entire league. Um, McNamara is on, I think, nine assists this year. Um, Jack Harrison has played really well, um, though he's been in and out of the lineup the last two or three weeks, um, which is curious. He didn't play against uh, Orlando, and it looked to me it looked like a mistake um, because Steven Mendoza hasn't been very good, but then Mendoza scored their only goal uh, against Orlando, so um, maybe Vieira knows a few things, but... Uh, They've got some weapons um, going forward, and if you don't – I mean, we we dealt with this the last time we played at NYCFC. Um, not shutting down Pirlo and him picking out, you know, from 40 yards, picking out Villa on the run, and you give up a goal. Um, because David Villa can control any pass that comes towards him and probably turn it into a shot that's going to be into one of the corners um, or curling around somebody or something like that. So – uh, things can go really wrong or can go really wrong really fast against NYCFC. But on the other hand, if you pressure them correctly and Josh Saunders is having to play the ball with his feet, I mean, we saw Sean Johnson miss clear, I don't know, eight, nine balls last week. Um, if Saunders is having to play that many passes under pressure, you're probably going to end up getting something out of it because he is kind of a lunatic. Um, <laughs> He, he makes decisions that just defy explanation, and they go beyond the let's keep the ball commitment. Like Columbus has that problem with Steve Clark, where they're so committed to keeping the ball that you give give up goals like the goal that uh, opened MLS Cup last year. Um, Saunders is like another step beyond that because it's not even part of the thought process of sticking to the plan. It's almost like he's just uh, – Sure, I got, I got this. Uh, I, I can, I can make this move inside the box. Oh no, I've, I've done something terribly wrong. Um, but that's, that's life for them right now. Um, and, and United needs to make the game about that more than it is about how good they are at keeping the ball. Um, but it all comes from that. That first wave of pressure has to be convincing, and it has to prevent them from exiting from the back four to the midfield cleanly. If, if, if that's not clean for them, then things go wrong really quickly. It almost sounds like, and, and you can certainly correct me if I'm wrong, that you've, you've uh, accidentally made the case for uh, Nick DeLeon in the midfield next to, uh, to Lucho. Uh, I, am, I have been wondering Based about that. Based on work rate alone, it, it, that's what right. kind of, um, Certainly, he seems more mobile uh, than Vincent, and that's going to matter a lot. Um, that certainly adds to the ability to press in the first layer, but then... You have to take into consideration if he oversteps, um, sometimes you need that player to just be the second layer and, and have the discipline to stay home, especially since we know Acosta is going to step in and pressure people. Um, but I do think that that's probably a very critical decision that Olsen has to make, choosing between DeLeon and Vincent. We, you know, It's probably safe to assume that Vincent is the guy that's going to stay home more often, um, but then do you organize your press around that, assuming that he will be in those spots underneath? Or do you organize your press saying, like, Lucho, sometimes you go and sometimes De Leon goes, and, and it's only one and the other one stays? Which thing works out better in the training ground? Or, you know, it, it could come down to Olsen has 
decided that Vincent is ahead of DeLeon right now. Um, and maybe he likes DeLeon's uh, energy coming off the bench because he's been coming in uh, with a little bit of an anger to him um, coming in off the bench. I don't think he likes it. And there's a there's been some positive uh, bonus. Uh, it's a, been a bonus that he's been having that that little bit of edge to his game that maybe hasn't been there previously because I don't think he naturally has that in him. But if you provoke it, maybe it gets more of of what Olsen wants out of him right now. Um, but getting that decision right and and not just getting the decision right, but getting the whoever gets that start to execute correctly. Um, you know we. If Vincent stays home, but he stays home at the wrong times, it's just as bad as if DeLeon oversteps at the wrong right. times. Um, so the, the balance and the execution, I think, um, I think that's what Olsen has to look at in training before they head up. I assume they'll take the uh, the Acela up uh, as they've done in the past. They take the train rather than fly up. Right, um, which is the right call. Having having yeah, the, the train is New nice. Yeah, the, the train is way better. It puts you into Manhattan and not way out in Queens and you don't have to deal with altitude changes and, you know, cabin pressure, dehydration and all that. Even on a short flight, you can have some of those issues and the train, you know, you get stake out some seats in the quiet car and, and put in your headphones and just kind of spit at the window when you pass Red Bull arena and you're fine the whole way up. Just, just 30 to 40 people lining up to spit at a window, Uh, (laughs) a, a series of windows. It doesn't have to be the same window. (laughs) <laughs> right, but you know everyone. You know they gather everyone <laughs> in the, in the same car. car. Yeah. Like guys, it, it's time to get ready. You don't want to leave anyone out. Lloyd Sam, you know, given given the the bitterness, you know, has a nice loogie to to hawk on there. Uh, everyone else just kind of spits pro forma, but you know, some guys really feel it. Uh, Jason, you mentioned earlier the the attacking mindset that that most MLS teams don't have on the road. And I think that that's actually hurt DC United some this year uh, in road games is that they've been, they've had a road mentality. They've been reactive. They've been a little bit more passive, whereas the games where they've really shown at home uh, and there haven't been really many games that they've shown on the road have involved a more attacking, more pressing mindset. United will do that for a little bit to start the game sometimes. And then they'll, They'll fall back, goal or no goal. They'll they'll fall back right. and kind of try to coast, you know, ride the game out. Mm. Do you agree, number one, with that assessment? Number two, is that the right way to go? Or should United try to be more proactive even on the road? Uh, I, I do agree that that's happened uh, a lot this season. We've seen United start games fairly well pretty frequently. Um, on the road, they go out, they... Um, you know, they sort of discombobulate the other team who's expecting that the normal MLS road approach is ride out the storm, so to speak, for the first 15 to 20 minutes. And United has done a good job of not giving themselves no storm to ride out. They go out and prevent that from happening. And we've seen them fluster some pretty good teams on the road, even going back to the season opener. Um, the Galaxy looked like a mess uh, in those opening stages from just what we're talking about. Um, but then they follow it up by not following up. Um, they, they don't go through with it. Um, and you let teams back into the game a little bit. And I think against NYCFC, that that's really dangerous because that's a team that really, when they get going, they seem very, very confident. And when they don't get going, they don't, I, I don't know that they necessarily see their way through things, which is why they've had some trouble in some home games is that, uh, 
the start of the game doesn't go according to plan and they just never quite put it back together again. Um, so I think United probably should come out and be a little more of the aggressor, especially now that, you know, in the past when the roster didn't, I mean, you could go out and press all you wanted, but the roster as constructed before didn't have enough goals to make that risk worth taking because you weren't going to, you, you weren't likely to get anything out of it. Um, your opponent might be uncomfortable, but the score is still zero zero. Now United actually has the weapons to back it up. You know, they can go press teams and attack them a little bit and also threaten, like, there's a real threat there. It's not like, well, they're, they're hassling us a little bit. They're making life difficult. Now it's like, look, if it, as the, as the home team in that situation, you're like, look, if we don't get it together in the next five, 10 minutes, we're going to be down a goal. Um, and that changes games quite a bit. It changes the mindset of the home team. And I don't think NYCFC is the strongest mentality. I think that's, probably been made clear already. Um, so I think this is a team that you have to go and not just make them feel uncomfortable for a little while, but to actually carry on with it and go get yourself a lead because we've seen a bunch of games in, in both under Christ and under Vieira where the, the games at Yankee Stadium turn out to be kind of crazy. Um, there have been a lot of bizarre games there because of the field, because of the playing surface, uh, because... They're a team that's built entirely to go in one direction. Uh, they are not built to defend their own goal. Um, it contributes to uh, sort of a wacky game. I mean, they had a, what was it, a 3-3 draw with the crew a few weeks ago where um, mm -hmm. they were up 3-1, didn't see the game out, and Patrick Vieira was still like, well, MLS needs games like this. Um, mm. And how many other coaches in the league would react to that scenario and be like, no, well, you know, there's a, there's a positive here. Uh, we put on a good show. Um, and United can make that work to their advantage because they've actually got the, the, the weapons to compete. You know, they can't compete toe to toe with a team with Villa and Lampard, but they can, if they can make it just a slightly, um, a, a game that's slightly more towards their style than NYCFCs. And, you know, if they take Pirlo out of it a little bit, all of a sudden it doesn't have to be toe to toe. It's more... The game is on United's terms, and those other players, those big-name players, aren't really a factor as much. And now we've got Mullins, we've got Sam, Niarco's back healthy, Acosta's underneath. You can actually turn that into real real danger. This doesn't have to be a game that United grinds out. Um, I mean, at a certain point, it if things go well, that's probably going to become the approach, is just congest uh, the tiny field with, with more defensive players, but... You can go out and get yourself a couple goals pretty easily against NYCFC. There's a reason they don't have a positive goal difference, um, despite having Which is the, insane, uh, given the number right. of goals they've scored. Right. Um, I mean, granted, it's down to losing 7-0 uh, to the Red Bulls right. um, in another, you know, lightning strikes game. I, I guess that's part of their deal is that um, everything that makes them able to score five on the Rapids also makes them capable of giving up seven to the Red Bulls. Um, and United needs to make sure they catch the... It's sort of a... It, to touch on something I said earlier, these games go one way or the other with NYCFC. They're kind of a, a team of extremes. And if you push them in the, wrong, in the wrong way early, you can kind of jump all over them and they never get it back together again. Um so being being a, a more aggressive road team, I think even though they've got the weapons to make you, you know, it, it does take some bravery 
um, tactically as well as the individual players have to have some bravery to go through with it, I think it's worth the risk because mm-hmm. what do you, you don't really have that no risk, no reward. Yeah. Well, they right. have the they have the advantage of showing that off too. I mean, they they've just been doing it at home for you know the last essentially five weeks now, and and mm-hmm. they 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 sent second choice exclusively up last week. So nobody's really kind of seen this group on the road. So right. you know, they, yeah. there is that kind of advantage for whatever that is, you know, optically or what have you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's not going to be tape of them playing on the road, um, and certainly not in a venue like Yankee Stadium with its, you know, what, what's the nice way to put it? Uh, jewel box field. Uh, <laughs> with its little bitty, you know, posted stamp of a of a field in the Yankee Stadium outfield. It's the team coat closet. <laughs> yeah, it's they're actually playing in the Yankees clubhouse. <laughs> um, no, I, I was actually at the, at NYCFC's 7-0 loss. To oh, oh, we remember. Home. We remember Adam. Yeah, <laughs> I, I was there for that. It's it's actually do, kind of do a you fun remember place. Adam? <laughs> oh, I I remember vividly. Uh, <laughs> it was it was actually a a really fun place to watch a, a soccer game for whatever reason. There's something about like I don't know if it was where I was just uh, being on top of the fans, having debris thrown on me by Red Bull supporters uh, <laughs> because they cleverly put them in the second deck over families and and random one game uh ticket purchases uh <laughs> because that's exactly where away support should go over people where yes. they can throw things down on you that's exactly where they should be they actually hit a red a, a, a red bulls fan in front of me with a beer that they threw down um from the 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 second deck but it, it, yankee stadium for all its faults as a soccer a place to play soccer is a remarkably okay place to watch soccer. Um, not that that has much to do with, with what DC United is going to do, but if you find yourself in New York, go watch this game because it's going to be fun. There, I, I, I brought it together. I sold it at the end. <laughs> All right, let's get out of here. Um, on our usual final question, how should DC United game plan? What's the biggest thing that United should be looking to do on Thursday night? Uh, defensively, you've got to get in Pirlo's face. Uh, you've got to make his life difficult. Um, everyone knows that going in when you play against uh, a team with uh, Andrea Pirlo or a player who wants to play a similar approach. Um, the job is to just keep doing it for 90 minutes because if you let up that one little that one little moment, David Villa is going to see it and Pirlo is going to see it and they're probably going to link up. Um so be, being physical with Pirlo certainly helps. I don't think he really wants to be in a game in which people are running into him or near him. Um, he's sort of like uh, Hamdi Salihi and cows. Uh, <laughs> he, he does not want another person near him, uh, at least for soccer. He wants everyone to stay at a comfortable distance. Um, tracking Lampard uh, for those runs into the box is huge, and that's something that United's midfield has to be sharp with um, because – NYCFC does a good job with their front three of making sure that defensive teams, it's almost always a back four that they're playing against, that those defenders are occupied. And so Lampard is coming out of nowhere with only one player free, and usually they, they're pretty good at shaping it so that the one player that's free isn't near Lampard running through the middle um, or running out wide and popping up, you know, slashing in at the last moment. Um, so tracking him is huge. 
Um, going forward, I mean, NYCFC is not good defensively. Um, they've been they've been kind of a mess all year. We've already talked about it. Um, getting after RJ Allen, uh, I assume will be at, he'll be at left back unless Vieira decides to give Martinez another shot. Either way, um, getting getting feeding Lloyd Sam most likely is going to be a pretty good move. Um, making the game high paced, high tempo. Uh, their central midfield is all guys that are like 35 and older. Um, Iriola isn't even re- he wasn't brought in to be a, a defensive midfielder. He was brought in to be a right back, and they couldn't really think he was too slow for that. And they're like, well, we got to figure something out. And they were like, well, we need a defensive midfielder for for the love of God. These other two guys aren't going to do it. Um, and he's filled in adequately. Um, but if you make the game fast and physical and and the kind of game we see on these tiny surfaces. If you emphasize that, the game can be a little too fast for them in that section of the field defensively, and I think that helps uh, Acosta quite a bit um, because he's yeah. capable of running into those tight spaces and getting something out of it, and he also relishes the physical side of things. Um, forcing their center backs to have to make decisions on the fly uh, is good, even with uh, Maxime Cheneau coming in, even with... Uh, I'm now going blank on um, uh, Felix uh, Briant. Well, me, yeah, um, he was uh, Chano bumped him out of the lineup mercifully for NYCFC. <laughs> um, but you know, Briant has been okay, but he doesn't think ahead very well. Um, I think he's more of a reactionary defender. Um, getting those guys to have to um, diagnose plays early and put giving them a situation where if you don't solve this 30 yards from goal you're not going to be able to solve it uh later they're much worse at that um than they are defending in the box and it's just you just have to do this one thing really well they do that all right it's it's the complicated problems further up the field that they really struggle with and that's where the mullins acosta connection uh should come in provided he Acosta's getting out of the midfield frequently. That's an interesting point you you made. Uh it's almost like turning into the slide. A lot of teams when they go to Yankee Stadium, they will say, "All right, we're playing on this small pitch. This is what we need to do to counteract that. This is what we need to do to slow the game down and play it at our pace." Um whereas NYCFC doesn't want to play at the Yankee Stadium pace right. either. So if you force that and turn it up to 11 even, it, right. it now, could put the home that, team in a in a bad spot. Yeah. I, I hadn't thought yeah. of that before, but I think it makes a lot now, of sense. It does it does open the door for some sort of ridiculous four four uh nonsense game. Um because you do still have to deal with Via and Lampard and right. even if you do a great job against them, you might still concede some goals. Um but that I, I mean, that's okay, I think. I think yeah. in this these circumstances, I'm willing to take United's defense even without Burnbaum over NYCFC's defense, which doesn't have the, I mean, man to man, it just, they aren't, they aren't comparable. Um, the fact that Hamid might be able to turn a a game where it's a four, four chaos game. He might be able to turn that into four, two, um, just by robbing some people of goals. Um, I think it's worth the risk in this particular game, um, against other teams, other good teams. I, I wouldn't necessarily advocate just going, going out and being this aggressive, but I think NYCFC, I think this will fluster them. This will not be what they expect because I think, you know, well, I don't think it's what anybody would expect from Ben Olsen. Right. And their road there, or, you know, United's, we, we have the advantage like Ryan talked about that. They have no one's seen this group play as a road team. Um, 
so all they can do is they like, well, normally they come out and they're, they're aggressive for 10, 15 minutes and then they back off and, and then they make it a grind. Um, so let's not let it become a grind. Um, but if United is the one that's saying like, oh, we're not, we didn't show up for that. We're showed up for something else. Um, this is the game you're going to get where it's going to be, uh, up and down. It's going to be fast. It's going, your central midfielders are going to have to run a lot. Um, I think that opens the door to getting another win, uh, getting a second win on the road <laughs> finally. Um, uh, but getting a, a, uh, another win, uh, this would be the first winning streak of the year somehow. Um, yeah. because United does not do consecutive anything. Other than draws. Consecutive draws, they do. A, a couple times they've had the yeah, two draws. Not even that often. Well, yeah. I think the number is like, um, I, I think they're at like 51% now um, to, to make it. But if they win on Thursday, that, that goes up in the mid-60s. So it's, and these yeah, are the, it, the odds to make the playoffs. Yeah. 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 So, um, it's, it, you know, I mean, we're, we're you know, getting into like, you know, bigger ramifications when it comes to that right, stuff. Yeah, the swings get bigger at this point in the year. Yeah. So you, you do have to kind of roll the dice. All right, that's it for us. Thank you all for listening. Uh, find us at blackandredunited.com. Find us on Twitter at filibusterdcu for the podcast, at blackandredu for the website. Send your emails to filibusterpodcast at gmail.com. Find us on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, or the Overcast. Catch. Overcast is where I, where I catch our pods. Um, use the podcatcher of your choice. Mostly, though, tell a friend about the show. We really appreciate it appreciate it when you do that uh for jason and ryan i'm adam and we will talk to you real soon say goodbye jason 